welcome to the Global Governance Perspective, a podcast presented by the Global Governance Institution. I'm retired Captain Andy Tian, the founder and the president of the Global Governance Institution. In this episode, we will share two presentations by Captain Tian on two separate topics. The first section deals with the tracking technology in the South China Sea, which is a topic of the eighth session of the 13th South China Sea International Conference, held by the Diplomatic Academy of Vietnam on 19th November. The past few years saw rapid advancements and popularization of sophisticated tracking and remote sensing technologies, opening new frontiers in maritime domain and situational awareness. Particularly in the South China Sea, as these two co-panelists from U.S. and Vietnam challenge China's maritime relations and scientific service ships in the South China Sea with reports based on data acquired by using advanced tracking technologies, how will Captain Tian respond with a presentation entitled "Machete Effect of Transparency Through Tracking Technologies"? Captain Tian presented his opinion. About how to make the best use of maritime tracking technologies. Let's hear the first section now. Now,、um, let me invite、uh, Captain Xu Chengtian、uh, to deliver your presentation. Captain Tian. Thank you, Dr. Rang Hongsong.、Uh, good afternoon, my fellow panelists.、Uh, first, I would like to thank the DAV、uh, for organizing this, this、uh, event. I've been to Vietnam several times and meeting nice Vietnam people, and as well enjoy delicious Vietnam food. So I'm quite honored to be here, invited to share some of my views on this topic.、Uh, when I was still an LLM student, I、uh, attended attended a human rights lecture where some people、uh, talk about the fact that the machetes used in the Rwanda massacre are originally from China. And hinted some kind of accountability on part of China. However, the same machetes are also used in many parts of the world to cut banana. The result depends much on who uses it and how to use it. So the same story could also be told about the、uh, the tracking and remote sensing technologies in the maritime domain in the South China Sea. It is the fact that the rapid Advancement is taking place in this area. However, will it contribute to the peace and the prosperity in this area? Depends much on who uses it and how to use it. In this regard, I would like to remind you of the latest U.S. Sea Wolf class connected undersea collision incident. A vast area in the South China Sea is covered with corals and seamounts. Which could grow or pop up after a、uh, seismic disturbance. Given the Sea Wolf, Wolf class submarine is a the most advanced type in the world, which is designed in the Cold War area, operating such a submerged giant under the sea entails a good maritime domain awareness that could only be achieved by using the most sophisticated tracking and remote sensing technology. Unfortunately, the security situation in the South China Sea will be even worsened with the submarine proliferation under the AUKUS Pact. Adding the Australian submarines in the future into the South China Sea 
will increase risks in already treacherous waters. And this time, the US Connecticut only damaged itself without causing any nuclear leakage. But how one can predict consequences of another sub-collision incident? A Chernobyl moment in the South China Sea would be irreversible in terms of damaging maritime environment once and for all. Whatever consequences will only be left for peoples of the South China Sea community to swallow. The above mentioned incidents exemplified the fact that however sophisticated the self-reliant tracking and remote sensing technologies may be, they have been used to serve the purpose of big power competition at the strategic level and as well militarization of South China Sea at operational level, both of which endanger peace and stability in the South China Sea. Let me conclude by making an initiative of cooperation. The above mentioned sub-relying tracking and remote sensing technologies should have been used for safeguarding safe navigation, the control of maritime traffic, the detection of illegal activities, the protection of marine environment in terms of all detection actor. To achieve this purpose, I hereby call upon maritime powers to assist South China Sea neighbors with their technologies to realize peace and stability in the South China Sea. It is time for the US to adjust its policy and the strategic intentions in this region from all of government approach to contain China to help regional countries. The US EP3 and other advanced technologies have, have been used to collect data in the South China Sea. However, during the Second World War, the US Flying Tiger volunteer pilots have flight the infamous hump route in Himalayas to help the Chinese people. Given this summit between the two presidents uh, just uh, uh, this week, it is time for the US to use machetes to cut bananas. Thank you uh, very much, Captain Tian, for reminding us that no matter how sophisticated the uh, technology uh, advancements is, uh, the risk of incidents uh, still remain and uh, technology should be used for peaceful purposes such as safety, increased safety of navigations, traffic, and to counter illegal operations. I believe um, that is a common purpose that we are all seeking. So um, uh, we've listened to four um, uh, excellent presentation from our speakers today, and uh, we now uh, move on to the Q and A uh, session. So we have well different sources or different technology uh, bases available in order to increase our understanding. So the key question here is how to use them and how to avoid the misuse of the technology. Uh, so we've got a question from um, online participants who, who pose a question to all the panelists. How we can use advanced technology, uh, such as Industrial Revolution 4.0, to support the development of vessel tracking technology and create transparency and accurate narrative on the situation on the South China Sea? And there's another question from uh, another online uh, participants. With tracking technology, it's now impossible to hide what you are doing. Uh, in the South China Sea. Uh, Vietnam has admitted that it has a maritime militia. Philippines also openly 
say they are establishing a maritime militia force. Indonesia is following suit. Now with uh, Mr. Pauling's report, it has revealed a maritime militia force of China operating in the South China Sea. Um, do, the question is, Captain Tian, do you dispute that report? And if um, it's revealed, uh, when do you think that China might admit that it has a maritime militia force? So can you go with those first two questions first, and then we'll come to the next. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, let me come back first to the question raised in the first round about uh, using the data share to better manage the traffic in the South China Sea, which will definitely facilitate the freedom of navigation in the South China Sea. But however, you see, this kind of advanced technology has been used to produce and articulate this kind of report on Chinese maritime. So in my opinion, uh, which this kind of technology could have been used to promote peace and stability, to facilitate freedom of navigation, but it is used, the technology, data collecting technology, it could be used uh, for the purpose of articulating this kind of report. It definitely could be used to facilitate the better management uh, of the traffic. However, in my opinion, it's a kind of, as uh, Pauline mentioned, that it is supported by U.S. Uh, uh, State Department. Uh, definitely, it is a agenda setting driven by the uh, big power competition, and as well a clear example of using the uh, advanced uh, tracking analogy to conduct disinformation campaign against China. This is my response. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Captain Tian. There's a question from uh, an online participant, Lan Nguyen. Based on the approach of the South China Sea Arbitral Tribunal to examining evidence, to what extent do you think advanced tracking technology will be used as evidence in the dispute before international courts and tribunal? What are the benefits and risks of states submitting evidence based on advanced tracking technology to third party settlements? And this question goes to any of the panelists who'd like to take it up. Thank you. Can I take the floor? I think that uh, also about the detailed study paper on the Chinese um, maritime uh, survey activities, I think this kind of uh, maritime activities are just uh, uh, carried in the areas of Chinese jurisdiction. They are lawful in compliance with international law. So every country is conducting such kind of uh, uh, survey activities. But the point is, as just the question mentioned, how can we use this kind of uh, data? And he mentioned about the ruling, arbitral ruling. I think, first I would like to say that when, when states have problems, do states normally get it through diplomatic talks or communications? Or they must go to courts to, for the third party uh, settlement. So for this kind of uh, cooperations, I mean, in terms of uh, survey activities, we could, I think in terms of uh, sovereignty, it has an elements of governance. So at the level of governance, the South China Sea communities could come together to fix some mechanism to, to promote such kind of uh, corporations. Thank you. Thank you, Captain Tian. There's um, an online participant who raised hand, Vu Haidang. Would you like to come forward? I would like to provide a response to Dr. Yan Yan's comment. So 
what we can see from the SCSP initiative is a lot of Vietnamese fishing vessels or Vietnamese vessels passing by China's territorial waters. Now, I understand that you are an expert in the law of the sea. So you must know that there is something called innocent passage. So all ships have innocent passage to the territorial waters of coastal countries. Let me show you something. Can I share my screen? Can you see the marine traffic global ship map right now? Yes, I do. A lot of colors. Yeah, you see a lot of ships in the territorial waters of any countries. They're just passing by. So are you going to accuse them of violating the international law of illegal fishing as well, just because they're passing by the coast of Vietnam, they're passing by the coast of China? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, any panelists who would like to respond? I, I didn't quite understand the, uh, the, uh, the response just mentioned by Dr. Dong. I think we should separate between warships and civilian merchant ships. It, it's different. And also, uh, uh, Pauline just mentioned that uh, all the reports ha have open resources. They have full notes. But uh, my question is, what is the purpose for such kind of uh, report? What is the purpose? I think another logic I'd like to mention is at least in the militias or Coast Guard, they are within the Chinese jurisdiction. It's not the US warships. They are in the South China. They travel the South and to the South China community areas. I think this is the logic. As for disinformation, I think there are many kinds of examples of disinformation. I think the, the most we can see frequently, like the rule-based order accusation, and Mighty is right because whatever dispute between China and its neighbors, because China is a big power. So this kind of logic will always apply from the perspective of disinformation. But the most worst example is the freedom of navigation in the South China Sea. And uh, as for the disputes, the arbitration ruling is always mentioned, but uh, we have many other examples. I think I'm not making a Tokoki argument. When the U.S. acts in the defense of uh, international court of justice in the uh, Nicaragua case, uh, sanctioning international community court prosecutors via uh, vice versa Afghanistan investigation, when the U.K. acts in defense of uh, international court of justice in Chicago case, are they maintaining a rule-based order? Thank you. Thank you very much, Captain Tan. The second section is an intervention made by Captain Tian during the 14th session of the Forum on Minority Issues held by UN Human Rights Council between 2nd and 3rd December 2021. Captain Tian introduced China's practice in protecting Eastern ethnic minorities to the international audience. Let's hear the second section now. Thank you, Madam Chair. The practice of protecting the rights and the interests of ethnic minorities in China is uh, precisely governed by laws and policies. One is the law of the People's Republic of China on regional autonomy, and the other is the poverty reduction policy implemented by successive governments in the form of national strategies. These laws and policies help China realize the goals of UN 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development 10 years ahead in its plan. A good example is Tibetan Kim Jin, who as a beneficiary really has many international fans. The politicized accusation of genocide in Xinjiang, driven by the big power competition, has successfully diverted the global attention and cover up the fact that 
56 ethnic groups in China live in peace and common prosperity, which is precisely the best practice that China can provide to the international community on protecting the rights and interests of ethnic minorities. Another reason why China's successful practice has been neglected is that when the international community examines China's human rights issues, it always makes a horizontal comparison, comparison between the East and the West with a magnifying glass and never observe China's changes from a vertical perspective. The U.S. should have chosen to outcompete China through fair competition and self-development, but chose to contain, contain and suppress China, a direct consequence of that big power competition which imposed upon China by the U.S., is the lack of international cooperation in protecting the rights and interests of ethnic minorities. China and the U.S. should have restricted, restricted competition, exerted the international leadership, and invested more resources in cooperation to promote the situation of ethnic minorities around the world and as well to prevent conflict. Thank you, Madam. This is the end of the mixed episode on maritime tracking technology and protecting human rights of minorities. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy our program. Please do follow and subscribe this channel, The Global Governance Perspective. You could also follow us on our Twitter and Facebook to write your comments. Look forward to your joining us next time.